0: Because Money was originally recorded as a video podcast, so there may be visuals that don't carry through to this audio-only version. Please visit becausemoney.ca to see the show notes, related links, and more. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Because Money podcast. I'm Jackson Middleton and I'm one of your hosts, joined as always, and we, we travel in threes, there's three of us, and it's Rob Engen, Sandy Martin in black and white, and myself, and we're, we're happy to be here, and tonight we, I think I gave it a real clever name, the, the podcast tonight is called Home Buyer's Plan, really took a long time to think about that, but that's what we named it, and surprise, surprise, we will be talking about the home buyer's plan so uh, here we go Rob let's uh, let's uh, kick this off in in good style
1: sure so uh, like we talked about the home it's a home buyer's plan and what this is is for first-time home buyers to kind of get them some help with a down payment and they can withdraw money from their RSP um, and, and use that towards a down payment now they have to pay the money back and Sandy can talk a little bit about uh, the rules behind that um, the program, it was launched in, I guess, in 1992 and latest statistics say it has been used about two and a half million times over the years. So it doesn't sound like a lot and it looks like it's used just over 100,000 times a year by first-time homebuyers. So I don't know if that's a trend as in it's not a very popular option or you can't withdraw enough money to make a dent in your down payment now because our real estate prices are so high. Or I just don't have any money in my RSP. I don't know what the case is, but uh, the trend looks like it's declining by you know ten, twenty thousand people a year. Um, so I guess we're going to talk about is it a good idea to use, and uh, what are some of the ins and outs of using the Home Buyers Plan? And, uh, Sandy said she has used the plan uh, or HBP before, and maybe you can talk a little bit about your experience and what those uh, uh, what those rules are. <laughs>
2: Well, I'll, I'll do the basic rundown of the rules first. I think. Um, Any obviously, RSPs are treated as individual things. So, as a couple, you can withdraw fifty thousand dollars, but as an individual, you can take out twenty five thousand dollars from your RSP as long as it's within ninety days of the purchase of your home. Um, and then you have to have you have to do the withdrawal within 30 days of actually closing on your home. So there's this little window of time where you actually have to take the money out. Um, But if you take it out, you don't have to, you know, show a receipt that you used it for your house. You could just use the withdrawal or, you know, RRSP-type withdrawal-type things. Oh, that was incoherent. I'm sorry. It's not a good beginning, is it? Um, Once you take the money out, then you don't have any repayments the following calendar year. So you have kind of a whole grace period depending on what time of year you purchased it. The following year after that, so two years later essentially, you need to start repaying. One-fifteenth is the minimum amount because you have 15 years to repay. If you don't repay, so let's say you take out $25,000. You're going to owe $1,666 every year. You repay it by contributing to your RSP. It doesn't have to be the same RSP account if you don't like that bank anymore or whatever. But you recontribute to RSPs. You don't get to claim it as a deduction because now you're putting it back into your RSP. Um, if you don't repay it, if you don't make an RSP contribution at all, or if for some reason it turns out to be worth your while to not include it as part of your home buyer's plan repayment, um, then you have to pay income tax on that one thousand six hundred sixty-six dollars.
1: And an interesting so, thing I read about that, Sandy, was thirty-five um, percent of the home buyer's plan or, or if people in the home buyer's plan do not repay it with or, like per year 35% of the eligible people aren't repaying that per year so they're taking it that as that's coming on to their they have to report that as taxable income
2: mm-hmm. and i don't think that you know 1666 is going to be too onerous of a tax burden because obviously you don't have to pay you pay less than that back in taxes I don't think that that 35% of people have sat down and done the math and said, you know, it's really in our best interest to take that as income and pay taxes on it. I don't don't think it was really a calculated decision. If I can make, you know, paint in broad strokes, as I typically do.
0: And I'm just going to jump in and start talking about the uh, the actual practical application of it. You know, from my experience as a mortgage broker over the last seven years, um, primarily dealing with first-time homebuyers, I can honestly say that a lot of first-time home buyers just don't have RSPs to use. They just there's, – there's nothing there. There's nothing in the investments. There's nothing in the RSPs that they're it, – it's not an option. I would say the majority of first-time homebuyers don't even have a down payment saved up. They're borrowing it from the bank of mom and dad, which then makes me think, okay, should they be purchasing – let's say you're a young couple. You're about to buy your first house. Mom and dad are going to lend you $50,000 as a down payment and you know you're going to be buying your house after 90 days do you borrow the money from your parents as a gift purchase the rsps which triggers then you know a tax refund and then take the money out and basically make money off the the down payment and use the home buyer's plan is that tricking the system is that a game is that what should happen
2: Oh, now see, now you're putting in a new wrinkle because yeah. when we were talking about this originally, we we're borrowing from the bank of mom and dad. If you're borrowing money from your parents to use as your down payment and you are and you get the gift letter and you say, oh, no, I never have to repay it, but you really do, then you're gaming the system whether you put that money into an RRSP or not. And let's not pretend that you're not. So if you can't if you can't afford it or if your parents are giving it to you as you know part of your early inheritance or whatever, that's I mean, that's a whole other kettle of fish than the home buyer's. Okay,
0: buyer. well let's say let's say you've just got you've got it's not registered, it's just in a TFSA. You have fifty thousand dollars in a TFSA, you know you're gonna buy a house in six months. Do you buy the RSP to get the tax refund just so that you can go and withdraw it and then pay it back over fifteen years? With thirty-five percent of people not paying it back is this just some kind of a loophole? Like, should the pro... I guess the the one article, uh, I think Rob Carrick was, uh, why should the Home Buyers plan be wound down? You know, is it actually a viable program or is it being used for what the government wants it to be used
1: for? Or does that matter? I think the, and he quoted in that article, like the average uh, person or couple is using about just under $10,000 for it. So it's not like everybody's going out And doing what you described with the $50,000 down payment uh, from the gift of, or from the bank of mom and dad. Now I don't know that, I don't know too many first time home buyers are in that kind of early 20s, mid 20s that have that kind of RSP room either. So there's another, uh, there's another wrinkle in that plan. Um, but I don't see anything wrong with it. I don't really think it's a loophole. I think uh, if you can take advantage of something like that, we call we you know we've talked about that over how many episodes of optimizing your finances versus the practicality of it, and and is it going to be that much of a pain to do all this? Like you, Sandy said, you got that short window, 90 days, and then 30 days after closing, and then you got to repay it. Are you going to repay it all right away? Um, you know, so there, there's a bit of mechanics that goes along with it. Uh, but I don't think it's a. I don't think you're cheating the system anyway. And I, I, th- I go ahead, Sandy.
2: <laughs> two things I need to say. So for my seven years of mortgage lending inside the big bad bank, I did. I very rarely saw gift of gift from mom and dad. Like we had to write gift letters very rarely, and it was almost always from their own funds. And obviously, you've got to go back and verify that it's been in their account for X number of months or whatever. So I think. I mean, I think there's a self-selection. Um, Bias here with the with the kind of anecdotal statistics we can bring up. Um, so there are people using it all the time. Like I had to fill out those homebuyer withdrawals quite frequently. Um, and then the other thing I was going to talk about is if you do, I mean, choosing to use to access the homebuyer's plan and to kind of access it through what you would call the loophole, it gives you more choice than if you weren't going to do it at all. So if you if you can either repay it in one fifteenth amounts or repay it in full or not repay it at all. You have the choice to do that kind of each year. So you're you're able to sort of optimize your tax burden a little bit every year that you either claim a home buyer's repayment or an RSP contribution or nothing. So it does give you more choice. It's not like you're locking into one choice ahead of time.
0: Yeah, and let and, and let's not forget that by actually using your, your down payment money to purchase RSPs in one year, you would be triggering a pretty good Tax rebate, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be getting a good
2: tax refund or whatever? If you were going from like zero to twenty-five thousand in your RSP, well, I would think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I mean, that's <laughs> free. And then what you do is you would take that money and then put that uh, the next year directly towards your RSPs. I don't know. Like you can kind of start a bit of a a bit of a wheel turning. That's that's what I've read. And I, I've read it as strategy. It kind of felt dirty, but then again, why would? Why not use whatever's at your disposal? Like go for it. But
1: I guess I my pro- my problem with the home buyer's plan, and now now that we have tax free savings account, I think um, you know even more so is, yeah. RSPs are meant for retirement savings, and so I think what what Rob Carrick talked about in his article was that we value home ownership now over retirement savings. Houses are coming before retirement, and so. You know, with 35% not not repaying the loan, um, you know, you're basically robbing from yourself down down the road, right? I mean, with a tax-free savings account, that's kind of what it's meant for. The tax-free savings account is meant for shorter-term savings. Um, you know, you, you you've got a you've got a window here of you know, say in two three years, I want to own a home. I can save in my tax-free savings account towards it. You know, whereas you know, should young people even be saving in an RSP? You know, at a lower tax bracket.
2: Um, those are two separate questions. Yes. <laughs> I keep dividing everything into two. Obviously, if you're not making very much income, it doesn't make any sense to transfer that income into the future in the idea that it'll be taxed at a lower rate in retirement. So that's one question. I mean, you really have to keep your eye on I'm quoting myself from a post that I wrote for you. You have to keep your eye on your actual tax rate. <laughs> so, it, you know, that's when you're making... You don't just blindly make RSP contributions because you sort of walked into the bank on February 15th and said, "Oh, I better buy an RSP. That's not really the best, the optimal strategy." But at the same time, I don't agree that necessarily because 35 people, 35% of people aren't repaying their RSP like their home buyer's plan, that that means that they're they're stealing from their own retirement. It very well could be, but it could also mean that those people are just choosing to claim it as an RSP contribution. So I would like to see I I think I would like to see those numbers in context. Come on, come on. on,
1: They're going on vacation. They're buying new living room furniture.
2: I, I mean, obviously, we can say generally with the rest of the kind of the personal finance media, like, oh my goodness, Canadians are have so much debt and there's gonna be a housing crash and all these kinds of and that's okay. I mean, I think probably the general trend, everyone would probably agree that the general trend is people aren't being as wise with their savings as they could be, or with their spending plan as they could be, right? But I don't know that that, that the that the very fact of of the home buyers plan existence within the package of the RSP, which is meant for retirement savings, means that the government is is allowing people through policy to put home ownership before retirement I don't I don't think that those I, th- I think you can see that as a general trend but I don't think that those two things necessarily connect logically I could be wrong though. but a
1: lot's changed since 1992 right I mean that's when this was uh, that's when the home buyers plan first came to be and you know like I said now we've got tax-free savings accounts uh, housing prices are uh, how many times bigger than than they were in 1992 where you know, is $25,000 even, what is that, putting a dent on a home in Toronto or Vancouver? Right, I mean,
0: that's probably a 5% down payment. You know, be right. realistically, I mean, the, the, the that's the, you know, I want to jump in and say, uh, I saw this article this morning on Globe and Mail, 24% of Canadians see their homes as the main source of their retirement income. I didn't know a house could be an income like what do you what do you turn it into a like are you getting a reverse mortgage on it are you Mm -hmm. qualifying for a HELOC and then funding your retirement through you know are you going to sell it and move but I mean Uh, I
1: think that's probably it the 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 traditional sense of selling your house and moving to or downsizing to a smaller home but I think we found the trends over the years has been that that's not the case
0: no 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 it's I don't know I I so I guess maybe just pointed question, what are your thoughts? Are, are, are RSPs a good thing for uh, young people and their finances?
1: I think it makes sense in certain cases. Like when um, we talked about before the show, if you're getting an employer match, I mean, that's, that's about the only case where it's pretty tough to turn that down. I mean, a 50 to 100% return, um, I mean, quite frankly, it even beats credit card debt. And, I, you know, don't really want to go there because, you know, credit cards are evil. And you just gave
0: everybody with credit card debt holding a balance an excuse to invest in their RSPs. Thanks, Rob. Well, sure.
1: Well, I mean, well, again, if you're looking optimally, 50% return beats a 19% credit card interest rate, right? I mean, obviously, there's a whole other issue with credit card debt and why you're getting into it in the first place. But, you know, so so I guess when we talk about, you know, younger people, well, we we typically say, well, they're not making as high an income as they will when they're, you know, in their 40s or 50s, so it doesn't make any sense to contribute to your RSP. Um, but I think there's another trend of, or uh, something else there where you know you need to start some habits of putting some money away that you're not going to take out in a year or two, right? Like I think Bruce Celery talked about that. He was talking about that on Twitter today, and he wrote the the Moulaa Guide to Rocking Your RSP, and he said you know uh, tax-free savings accounts are great but they're for putting in money Tuesday or Sunday and taking it out on Tuesday. That's how people treat them, right? Whereas your RSP kind of has that stigma around, you know, this is locked in. I'm not going to touch it until retirement. And so I think these programs like Lifelong Learning and Homebuyer's Plan just give, are just giving us access, especially if you don't really have to repay it, are just giving us access to that money that we probably shouldn't have. We put it away for a reason, and regardless of tax tax uh, rates and that sort of thing. You put it away for a reason so it would be there for you in retirement.
2: So so what I'm getting a sense of then is that we sh- is that my battery is running low. Uh, <laughs> is that um, we shouldn't be buying a house at all because we should be putting money into our RSP. Like if we have any money to save, we shouldn't be saving it towards a house. We should be saving it for our retirement. Is that, is that sort of the sense? And I'm just going to duck out of the frame for a minute to actually... My- well, then
0: I, I'm going to just throw out the question, do people actually save for retirement? Like, it's from my experience in dealing with, uh, especially the first-time homebuyers, even like, you know, the upgrade clients, you know, moving from their first to their second home, it it seems that everybody is financing their properties at 95% loan-to-value, 5% down. They'll sell a house. They'll have equity. They'll keep it out. They'll consolidate. They'll pay off their debt, and they'll buy the upgrade house with 5% down on double income, and nobody's really saving money. It seems that the people that have money have a lot of money, and then there's the rest of Canada who just doesn't really have anything. That's my personal sense from, you know, probably dealing with over... You know two thousand applications a year for many years I just and the the homebuyers plan, although I admit it's a great plan, I think it works, I like it. I've maybe executed it twenty times. It doesn't happen that often. people don't really they don't really use it
1: and you're saying it's more about lack of funding than. Or not I'm just save. saying it's lack of savings, lack yeah.
0: of any financial planning or knowledge, or even caring. Like, the amount of people that come, like, is this, is, is that just my sense, or is, because I know we talk about finances, I know we're on the Because Money podcast, which deals with personal finance, so we talk about optimizing our personal finance, but is the average typical young Canadian even interested in thinking about this kind of thing?
1: And, and just to go back to Sandy's question I'm like i i'm not saying um don't i'm just i'm not saying value retirement even at in your 20s over over uh you know home ownership but you know I, i'm talking about establishing some habits that you're putting mm. away some money even if it's 2% 3% 4% whatever it is it doesn't have to be you know 15 or 20% of your salary but some habits to put away some money that you're not going to raid you know next month because it's so easy to do it in a tax-free savings account or uh, or your regular savings or your checking account.
2: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think I have um. I, I have a very strong one of many um, pet peeves, and it's I I very much dislike the cult of of the meat. Oh, I don't want to paint the media all with one brush. I don't like this cult of. Everybody in Canada isn't saving enough and nobody is smart about their money and, oh, the debt levels are rising. I keep using the same voice. This is the second time in only this podcast that I've gone, oh, it doesn't bode well. I don't like it, not because it's not true. There are so many people that don't pay any attention to things that they really should be paying attention to. I just dislike that. I don't know what it is, if it's just the feeling of, Someone on high shaking their finger at everybody in Canada for being a total idiot and like a nut bar for not saving. When people are just trying, for the most part, people are trying to do their best. They don't necessarily have all the right tools or they don't necessarily, they're not maybe talking to the right people about it. (laughs) But I just think people shouldn't always go, The regular everyday Canadians should stop having this feeling that someone in the Globe and Mail is telling them they're an idiot. Because that's the headline every day.
0: But I guess, you know, with uh, no secret, my family, is, uh, my wife and I are trying to save $13,780 in 2014. And we're blogging 52 weeks through it. So we're putting out a blog and trying to come up with a unique way to save money every single week. And I'll be honest, the amount of people that have contacted us privately and said, man, we're terrible. We don't do any of this. Thanks so much for doing it. Thanks so much for the ideas. I just get a sense that it's not lack of desire. It's just lack of action, lack of execution. And people, they just don't know what to do. And like the truth is, is until I started, within the last few months, I've really started taking responsibility for my personal finance. You know, I'm working with Sandy as a, you know, fee-only planner. Um, Somebody asked me, "When do you plan on retiring?" And I thought that was a really stupid question because it was me. why? Oh, I, I thought it was you, but I just didn't want to say it. You said, "When are you going to retire?" And I'm like, "I'm never going to retire. I, it's it, it. I have never ever thought of retiring, like not working. Why would I not work? You gotta work. I don't save any money. I spend. I spend more than I have." How in the world would I ever retire? i have just already to the point where it's like, forget it. I'm not... Nobody's going to... And then, of course, then my mentality becomes that if that's the way it is with me, that's the way it is with everybody else. You just kind of assume everyone's like you. Maybe that's why I'm coming from that bias, but I don't know. I... I've been really encouraged by the people that have reached out and talked with uh, my wife and I about the challenge and, you know, what it means to them. And we're just kind of – we're having fun doing it. But I think there's a lot of people who just have no idea. And, you know, if they're looking, this homebuyer's plan makes sense. If you're looking to save up for a house, put some money in RSPs, develop the habits to save, and then you can use it for a down payment on a house. And I, I like it because I like that idea of encouraging people to build the
1: habits. But here's what I think happens is that, uh, you know, and may, maybe this was true before tax-free savings accounts were introduced, but I think that, you know, people, a couple will go, a young couple will go into the bank and they're qualifying for their mortgage or they're going to their mortgage broker and qualifying for their mortgage, Jackson.
0: Thank you.
1: And um, and, and, and that that mortgage broker, that banker is going to ask them, well, you know, what are you going to do for a down payment? Well, you know, I have this much, and I can't qualify. For, you know, I, I can only qualify for three hundred thousand, and said, and I want this four hundred thousand dollar house. So then they ask the question, do you have any money in your RSP? And that's where people, I think, get led into the Home Buyer's Plan. It's not for uh, the willful act of I'm going to save money for a down payment, and I think the best vehicle for me to do so is in the Home Buyer's Plan. I think they're getting talked into it through the bank to say, oh, you've got some money in your RSP. Why not use that this way? Sandy, is that true?
2: No, but, well, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. But, okay, but here's the thing. Let's talk about somebody with a limited savings ability. So what's the best thing for them to do? It's to save up for, I mean, if, if home ownership makes sense for them, if they're not buying into a wildly inflated market, et cetera, et cetera. If they want to save up for a house and it's the prudent thing to do, they should be saving up their money. If they don't have enough money to save both for an enormous retirement and for a house, which means they probably can't max out their RRSP contribution in any way, why wouldn't they contribute some of their money in an RRSP towards their down payment on a house, have it grow tax free, have it be tax free when they put it in? And and then have it be tax free. Well, I mean, as you repay it, if you're able to repay it, well, the rest of the money stays in there for your actual eventual retirement. I think. I mean, when they when people talk about the the RSP being passe because homes are worth way more than they used to be. Well, they're not in my town. I mean, my the house yeah. the, the house that I upgraded to after my first house was less than two hundred thousand dollars. So twenty five thousand dollars or $50,000 would go quite a long way to buy a house in rural Canada anyway. So I don't um, think, I mean, if you can't max out all of your, sorry, if you can't max out, if you don't have enough money to max out your tax-free savings account and your RRSP and save separately for a down payment, the RSP is the best place to save for it. The end. Go ahead, Jackson. Sorry.
0: I'm jumping in with the Twitter. Friend of the show, Noel D'Souza, jumped in, and he's actually tweeted three times, because money, I like the HBP certain cases, perhaps if the person has a pension plan. 50K is a pretty good start against a mortgage. He then says, hashtag because money, I think I've said this before people need a plan so the HBP can be good if it is part of that long-term plan and I agree and then he says I think a direct response to me buffaloing and buffooing at uh, retirement he says the issue with planning and needing to work forever is that sometimes life throws you a curveball and you can't hashtag because life (laughs) True. He's that's picked up on the prepositional use of the, uh, of the word because, and I appreciate your tweets and your uh, opinion. Thanks, Noel.
2: <laughs> I think your answer was you were going to retire at 80, wasn't it? Isn't that what gonna yeah, say? I think
0: it was probably, hmm, okay, 80. I don't plan on living past 65, but okay, 80, sure. But yeah, that's... I've always well, thought 65 was really old.
1: Yeah, it's and, not anymore. Like there's But is it's a, not anymore. There yeah. was a poll that came out today that said, um, you know, the tr- uh, trends that more, you know, more people in the 55 to 65 age age group are saying they are going to. I think the question was, are you going to work when you're 66? Are you going to be working? And and it was about half that said they wor- would be. And of that, like 29% was because they need to. But another, you know. A pretty good chunk of that was because they wanted to. Yeah. And I don't think 65 is old. Is considered old anymore. But yeah, growing up, I always thought 65 yeah. was super old, and it's like it's not anymore.
0: I mean, I know 65 year olds. It's crazy. It's Botox. And, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it. But no, I mean, and it also helps that I absolutely love what I do, and I love working, and I love the challenge and innovating. So maybe that goes with the uh, not wanting to retire but anyway but let's
2: let's consider the worst case scenario that in your mind the worst case scenario is that you keep working and you live longer than 65 like that's not a bad worst case scenario if you're actually saving towards it and then like you hit 65 and you go i don't really feel like retiring i'm going to work till i'm 80 but you have enough money to to like imagine what you could do if you saved up enough money to retire at 65 but then you didn't yeah, and the people cool.
1: who are the people who are working because they want to, obviously, I hope they're doing something they really enjoy. Whether that's, you know, quitting their desk job because they have, you know, have enough money to to do that and then just saying I'm going to go work somewhere where I would I, I would would really enjoy that.
2: Or pulling a John Caro and just staying in his job but telling everybody yeah. I don't need to be here. By the but way. I, but I'm here. <laughs> but I'm here. Yeah. But I can quit tomorrow.
1: <laughs> Pick up a money sense subscription. So here we go, we're going
0: to, I think we're moving into final summary, yeah. final thoughts. Rob, you final thought, then Sandy, then I'll say goodbye.
1: Okay, final thoughts on home buyers plan. I think, I, I mean, I like the plan, I just think there's better options now uh, to utilize your tax-free savings account, especially as a couple, you look at all the room that you could, uh, that you have to, to build it now, if you've, if you were 18 in 2009, then you, and you haven't put a dime in your tax-free savings account, you got... Thirty-one thousand five hundred dollars in room plus your plus your spouse or significant other. So there's more money there available if you have that kind of money. If your parents are going to give you sixty-two thousand um, dollars, and uh, I don't think it should be abolished. You know, I think it can work for some people, but uh, I go with the tax-free savings account. Sandy.
2: I respectfully disagree and say the tax-free savings account is the last place you should be saving your down payment for your home, because it gives you no net benefit up front or later on. Wow, last place, eh? Last place.
0: Well, I have no desire to ever retire, and I'm considering (laughs) a balanced portfolio, but have no idea how to get a TDE series. First of all, I'm going to develop a budget, and then... Sandy's going to work through actually helping me keep that budget, and then maybe I'll... But I do have money in my TFSA, and I have to say, I, I've had three people use my ING Direct Orange Code. Mm. That's 75 bucks into my TFSA. I already own a house, so I don't need to have RSPs because I don't plan on using them to buy another one, and that's the only reason I would have RSPs. So, on that note, thanks, everybody, for uh, joining us on the Because Money Podcast. Until next week, we will, uh, we'll stay strong, and you do the same. Good night. Good night. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode because money is a labor of love and involved no ads or other sponsorship. Be sure to click the like or subscribe button where you downloaded this from as we'll help other listeners find the podcast and raise our profile, which in turn makes it easier to book guests. Please visit becausemoney.ca for show notes and related links.